This is Moms to God, Season 2, Episode 27, Church Hurt. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Luke chapter 17 verses 1 through 4, New King James Version. talking about church hurt. Church hurt affects so many people, way too many people. And I feel like even though I hear it talked about within smaller circles or from friend to friend or on social media, I've yet to really hear like a pastor get up and address it from the pulpit. And I feel like we really need to move in that direction. Um, I've wanted to talk about it for a while. Um, I had a lot of things that I wanted to say. And as time went on, how this episode started evolving in my mind kept changing. Because, you know, I wanted to talk about the personal aspects of church hurt. But then... I also wanted to talk about the larger picture and as I kept going into it and as I kept seeing people post certain things and as I was having conversations with with people, I realized there are actually two different types of church hurt and I really want to focus on one of them more so than the other because focusing on the other, I feel like is a whole podcast in itself Um, and I'll probably do an episode that touches more so on that aspect but those two types are um, what I'm referring to as corporate church hurt and personal church hurt. Um, This episode is going to be primarily about personal church hurt but I do want to touch on corporate church hurt before we go into it. What I mean when I say corporate church hurt is I mean things that the institution of Christianity has done, whether it was something that affected you personally, or it's just something you know that they have done, or historically, you know, the church has stood on this ground or this principle. Examples would be things like racism in America. The Protestant church had a huge hand in racism. People who were claiming to be Christians were abusing their slaves, raping their slaves, 
whipping their slaves. The same Puritans that came over here that claimed to be fleeing religious persecution, claiming that they loved God. These are the same people who were giving the Native Americans smallpox infested blankets and marching them across the United States and killing them. And so when you stop and think about that, you're like, what kind of God is it that you serve? How can I serve a God that those people serve, right? And you see similar things in um, the fact that the Catholic Church was literally killing. There are, there are torture chambers under Catholic churches in Europe, right? They were out here killing anybody who disagreed with them. Um, there's the whole issue of pedophilia within the Catholic Church. And a lot of people see these things and it turns them against the idea of Christianity as a whole. Now, as I said, that topic is a very large topic and getting into that is um, a lot more than we have time for for this episode if we're going to talk about personal church hurt too. Um, what I wanted to say about that is that a lot of the things that are wrong with that are not issues with God. They're not issues with the Bible. They're issues with people. People who are claiming the name of God that are not acting as God. And um, I touched on this a little bit in an episode before when I talked about taking the Lord's name in vain. When I, when I say that I'm a Christian, but I'm behaving counter to what Christ has taught. And people pick that up and they believe that that is what it means to be a Christian when it's, it's not true. The same thing with all these images of, you know, quote unquote, white Jesus. That's not what Jesus looks like. First of all, the Bible says we shouldn't have graven images. We're not supposed to have an image of Christ in the first place. But all of the Bible verses that refer to God and refer to the Israelites, like God is described as being bronze. I have bronze things in my house and I cannot tell the difference between the bronze that I bought and the black that I bought. It's literally very, very dark. There are verses where it talks about, like, for instance, Moses' hand. Moses sticks his hand in his cloak. He pulls it out. It's white. He puts it back in. It turns back to its normal color. Like, there's some sort of contrast there. I'm not saying that his hand was, you know, the darkest shade of black on the earth. It could have been. Or it could have just been brown. But it definitely wasn't white because there was some sort of contrast when it turned white. And there's there are all of these types of things in the Bible that clearly show us that the people being spoken of were not white and yet the catholic church co-opted the christian religion or the biblical religion and turned it into what they wanted to and spread that across the world and now most people see that and they conflate that with the bible because um, most people don't want to take the time to read a 2000 page book to sort out what's true and what's false um, and even then you have to, because we have a tendency to read our own interpretation into things. So if you've always been taught that Jesus was a white man, when you read it, you think that's what the image that you see, like you miss all of these other details. So it takes a lot of context and studying, and it takes a desire to want to know that truth, um, to actually get into it. So most people just see the surface level things and they're just like, yeah, that's not for me. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm going back to what my ancestors did, um, which is a whole nother thing because the people in the Bible, like I said, were black people. If that, I mean, race didn't really exist then, but they were brown, okay? They were not white people. And um, interestingly, 
the entire concept of, you know, Europe bringing Christianity to Africa. No, Europe brought Catholicism to Africa. And Catholicism is the antithesis of what's written in the Bible. But the first converts to Christianity were actually from Ethiopia. They were from Northern Africa. They had people in Egypt. They had a church in Alexandria. All of these things are talked about in the Bible directly. And um, those people were, there were already people there following God. Some of those people who were converted, it said they were already following God. There are African Jews. There are um, you know, they were, in fact, they were never referring to them as Gentiles. The Jews had this huge disdain for Gentiles and they'd, but when they went out into Africa and they were talking to the Ethiopian, there was no problem. People were not upset that the Ethiopian received the spirit, right? Like that was fine. And they never referred to anybody who's from a Hamitic tribe or a, 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 a Semite tribe, which are the descendants of Shem and Ham. From Noah, they never refer to any of them as Gentiles. They they only ever use Gentile to refer to the Romans and the Greeks, the Europeans, the people who were from Japheth, which would be the white people, right? And so a lot of the narrative surrounding Christianity is false because there is a lot of false doctrine being taught in Christianity, and this doctrine hurts people because. It has been used historically to prop up the idea of white supremacy. It's been used to get away with things like murder and um, sexual assault and pedophilia. And these things steer people away from God because they are mistakenly associating these heinous acts with God, right? And that's a form of church hurt. It's not the personal kind where it's like, you did this to me personally, but it's still something that plagues our church. And so I actually said more than I thought I was going to say about that, but I do want to do an episode specifically on those things because I think they're important and I think it's something that's really plaguing the Christian community Um, and it's really turning people away. And I think we have a responsibility to reclaim the narrative and reclaim the name of God, the name of Yahweh, um, and make sure that people know who he is and who he's not. But for this episode, I wanted to focus more on personal church hurt um, because I like to focus on things that we can do individually, right? Like I can go out here and tell you, I can give you the information about how these things happen, but I can't stop um the the institution as a whole right it's way too big for me as an individual to actively change it i can only change individuals and that's where we come into this issue of personal church hurt right what do i do how do i treat people how do i react to what people say to me and how do i react when i personally am hurt and i think if you grew up in the church, if you've been attending church, you know what? I'm not even going to lie. If you've been in ch- attending a church for more than a year, I, I'm i pretty sure you've experienced church hurt. Like, that sounds so bad, but I think it's true. Um, you have a lot of things that happen between people. People within the church are just people, okay? They're not perfect. And sometimes people say things and they're intentionally trying to be mean and hurt you. And sometimes it's just an accident, right? We take things out of context, we take things in a different way, our experiences shape how we 
perceive things. So you can say something to me and mean it as a compliment and I may take it a different way, okay? Um, You don't really know how people grow up. There are things that are triggering. Um, There is a guy in my young adult group who is, um, let's just say he was not blessed in the height department, okay? And he was hanging out with a bunch of the youth one, one Sabbath and um, one of the other guys was speaking to the youth and he thought that this young adult who is 30 years old was also one of the youth. And, you know, the guy got really upset and he kind of flew off the handle. He was extremely offended. And I can imagine from his point of view, he probably has been picked on a lot in his life for being short. He has probably, he probably also has, I mean, our society is not very kind to short men. And so there probably is a lot of emotional baggage attached to his height. And so being confused for being a child was probably very triggering for him. But at the same time, none of us associate him with the kids. Like I didn't even know he knew the kids. So I mean, even if he had been six feet tall, which some of the youth in the church are six feet tall, a lot of them are taller than me. I, if I just see a group of youth, I would assume that all of the people there are part of the youth and it would have nothing to do with the fact that he's short, right? And so when you end up in these types of situations, there is a responsibility on the person who is saying, oh, I, I, I thought xyz and there's a responsibility on the person who is offended right and i remind myself of this constantly i have my own personal experiences there are things that have happened to me things people have said to me that color everything that you say to me in through that lens and you don't know what those experiences are so step one i think is that as a from my point of view is being transparent and being honest when people say things that offend me, if you know me, I will be, if you know me personally, you know I will tell you right off the bat, look here, you're not about to say that to me because I'm offended. I don't like that you said that to me. Um, and many times I will tell you why that offends me, why I don't appreciate what you've said. Um, and I'm not gonna let it fester. I'm not gonna like pretend like it's okay and let you keep doing it and then suddenly like I secretly hate you. Um, I'm gonna tell you straight off the bat and I try to be mindful that you may not understand it the same way that I do you may not have meant it that way and I try not to take offense quickly now I got a short temper so it doesn't always work that way and in the same vein I try to be mindful of other people right just like with this young man I know that you know he probably has some emotional um baggage tied to his height so I try not to mention the fact that he is not that tall right I'm saying it on this podcast because I'm using it as an example but like I try not to use that as the descriptive factor when I'm referencing him right I try to you know if I'm talking to him I'm not going to make a joke about his height okay that I feel like that's a low blow and because I know that that's probably something that is sensitive to him Um, there are certain things you can joke about with people like I'm clumsy and you can joke about the fact that I'm a klutz all day. It does not offend me because I think it's funny and I know I'm clumsy and I haven't been picked at for being clumsy. There's no, there's no like 
that doesn't trigger something within me. So it's cool. But certain things you can't, you need to leave it alone, right? And being mindful of that and respecting those boundaries with people, I think, goes away. And that's that's not just within the church. That's like general life advice. Within the church, though, I found that we start to get issues with power struggles. And um, usually, I feel like church hurt comes from people who are quote unquote in authority to people who are considered baby Christians or children or teenagers and things like that. It can happen in other ways as well, but that's usually what I see. You have somebody who is new to the faith and you have older Christians, you know, coming for them because of how they dress, or you have people shaming people because they have fallen short and they have done something Either you have, you know, um, a mother who is uh, pregnant, a woman who is, you know, is pregnant out of wedlock and they're shaming her when, you know, even though, yes, she may have committed a sin, her and her sin, that's between her and God. Um, But at that time, that's probably the time that that person needs the church the most. Okay, they're pregnant, they're alone, they're about to have a baby. They need a stable church family for the baby, for themselves. And the church is like kicking them to the curb. That's one of the worst times that I've seen church hurt and people walking away. Um, One of my cousins, there, well, a couple of cousins, but their mom died. And their mom actually, she was active in the church sometimes. Like there is a whole lot surrounding it, but she was on a rocky path and she had good days and she had bad days. And on her good days, she was involved with the church, but on her bad days, she was not. She was, you know, in the world. And um, she ended up passing away um, in a very, very tragic death. And her kids, my so my oldest cousin, I want to think was probably like 12 or 13. But I, there was a cousin that was around my age. She was probably like seven. And then Um, Her little brother was probably like five. Okay, so their kids were very, very young. And the pastor of the church refused to preach the sermon. And as soon as every single one of those kids was old enough to make the decision for themselves, they stopped coming to that church. Because that is the, like, that is such a slap in the face. Like, you're, you can't even preach the sermon for the kids. Like, they're all active in the church. Why would you do something? Like, why would you do something like that? Um, Things like that are what I really have seen that entrenches, like, this deep-rooted hatred for the church, right? Because somebody who has some sort of authority is doing something that is personally hurting you, and and it has a lasting effect. And I think when it happens to us as kids... It's even worse because it's internalized and it it festers and the way we process things as children is a lot different than how we process things as an, an adult. And for me personally, I remember growing up in that same church and I had a lot of issues with that church. There were a lot of things that made me upset. And I remember, um, you know, one time we were choosing a mother of the year. We used to pick a mother of the year every year. And um, that particular time, I think someone nominated my mother. 
And when my mother was nominated, the adults in the room, the the powers that be, quickly shut it down. And they were like, no, your mother's not a member of the church. And the thing is, as I've mentioned multiple times on the podcast, I come from a family that was split denominationally. So my dad's family is Baptist. My mom's family is Methodist. So my mom was a member of the Methodist church and my dad was a member of the Baptist church and I was attending a Baptist church. So they would not allow my mom to be mother of the year because she was not a member of that church. It's, I mean, not to say that it was okay if she had been, you know, quote unquote, a heathen and a non-believer, but my whole thing was like, she's a believer, right? Like I'm like six, seven years old and I'm like, I don't understand. There's only one body of Christ. What do you mean? She, she is part of that church. Like how, how is this a thing? But as I got older, this, um, annoyance, it, it started to fester because one, they chose a woman for mother of the year who didn't have any kids at all over my mom because quote unquote, my mom wasn't a member of the church. But every time they had an event at the church, they were calling my mom to help. Oh, we need somebody to cook some extra food. Oh, we need somebody to bring some extra supplies. Oh, we need somebody to help watch the kids. Oh, we need somebody to to help plan the crafts for, for VBS. All of these things, they were calling my mom. And even after I stopped attending the church, even after I left and went to college, they're calling my mom to come help with the kids. But you can't give my mom an award because she's not a member of the church. But she's doing all the work in the church, right? Things like that fester. And you're like, what is wrong with you people? And so, you know, eventually, I think all of us stopped going. Um, and when I say us, I mean the young people at the church. Um, you know, and what I remember the most during those years, during those teen years, is that you know that something's not right, but especially for my generation, we were raised not to sass our elders. Everybody had permission to, you know, slap us or whatever. Um, and so you don't really know how to approach it. You don't really know how to, to confront that issue. As I said now, I would quickly be like, look, I don't like the way that you said that. Or look, this doesn't make sense. You, you're doing X, Y, Z, and that's not right, right? But as a, as a seven-year-old, as a 11-year-old, as a 15-year-old, you know, when the adults in the church are saying X, Y, Z, you just like, okay, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. And you just end up being like, well, as soon as I don't have to be here, I'm not going to be here. And for me, I was never, I never really had to be there. So when I was like 15 or 16 and someone at the church said that I wasn't a Christian, I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to not be a Christian from my couch because there's no reason for me to get dressed up and no reason for me to miss the Sunday morning cartoons. I'm going home. And I just never went back, right? And a lot of that, that happens to a lot of people, predominantly in the young, young ages, but like I said, it also happens to older people, especially, you know, people who are not necessarily able to assert themselves or people who struggle struggle with holding on to anger because sometimes we get angry and we may even confront you, but we still mad and there's nothing you can say to un, you know, undo that. Um, but like the real danger, the reason why I think it's really important that we talk about it and think about it and try to fix it is that 
for some people, when these situations happen, it doesn't just turn them away from that church, those people. It's not, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to go to this church. I'm going to pick up and go to that church down the street, or I'm going to go look for a new church because y'all ain't about nothing. It is, I hate church, period. And these people typically turn away from God because the people of God are behaving hypocritically. Now, I hate to quote Gandhi because Gandhi was a racist, but um, there is a quote from Gandhi where he says something along the lines of, um, I like your Christ very much. It's his followers that I have a problem with. And that's what happens a lot behind church hurt is that people are turned away from God because the people who are supposed to be reflecting God do not reflect him. And they think that that's what God is about. That's what Christianity is about. That's what all of this is about. And so they don't want nothing to do with that. And so they step away, not just from the people of the church, but from the Bible, from God, from anything associated with Yahweh, with Yeshua, also known as Jesus, all of that, they, they leave that behind. And that is where the danger comes in. Y'all, I am not trying to be standing in front of God and God be like, so, you know, you lived your life, you believed in me, you were here, but you turned all these people away from me because you couldn't act right and because you were treating them poorly because you, you know, you were prideful because you, you, you know, you didn't care about their feelings because you never went back and checked on them, et cetera, et cetera. And that is a scary thought because I know I have a temper. I know I'd be saying some things and after the fact, I'd be like, you know what? That might not have been, that might not have come off quite right. Somebody might've took something from that. They might've felt a way. And I'm not going to lie, as I do this episode, there are people who are upset with me. There are people who are angry with me for one thing or another. There is someone that I have tried to talk to and, you know, they don't want to hear it. So that's just not resolved yet. You got to pray on it. And then there is someone that offended me. And like I said, I'm quick to be like, yo, what you're not about to say right now is that because we're not going there. Um, And so I was very quick to, um, quote unquote, put this person in their place. Um, You know, I did it in the most tactful way I could think of, because literally the first thing that thought the first thought that came into my head was real rude, real ratchet and not okay. Um, And I did back down and I rewrote it and rewrote it. And what I eventually said, I felt like it was um, straightforward to the point and not rude but that person said it was you know they felt a way about it and in the aftermath of it I didn't care I'm not gonna lie to y'all I did not care I was like you get what you get like you didn't care about offending me you don't care about offending me the person never apologized for offending me but you think I offended you because I told you about yourself um and I am at a place where I cannot apologize for what I said because I meant what I said. And to be honest, I meant it the way I said it and I meant it the way they took it. So it's, it's, I can't really apologize for it because I'm not apologetic. I'm not repentant of what I did, but 
there is also that that level of like I you know there is a requirement of us to reconcile and all of these things and that's where things get messy and they get dirty and you're just like so how do I fix this like what are we what what's happening what should be happening um and guys it's a daily struggle like you have to pray about it you have to be mindful of your actions and how they're coming off to others you have to be aware like i am aware that there is a problem that i did they got that in that instance i don't care about his feelings that sounds horrible like saying it out loud it sounds horrible but admitting it to yourself is the first step i was in i felt such a way i feel such a way about the topic that came up that when this person offended me and I said what I said back, I did not care how he felt about what I said back. And even in the aftermath, I have still not gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, I I feel bad that you feel bad, right? <clears throat> that hasn't come yet. And so it's something that I have to pray about. I have to be like, look, God, this is what happened. You know what happened. You know his motives. You know my motives. And you have to work on both of us to fix this situation. And you have to let God work how he will work you can't sit there and dwell on it like I don't sit here and rehash the conversation and allow myself to get angry at this person Um, because right now I'm actually not angry at the person I just said what I had to say Um, and that's another thing sometimes expressing yourself releases anger some people hold on to anger and they don't express themselves and that's why they become angry Um, as soon as I told him how I felt I was done like I'm not angry at him I'm not holding that against him but because he became upset with me for saying that there is like you know a residual like how dare you get mad for me standing up for myself you know um but also like I said him being upset with me then I am responsible because I know that he is upset with me right there is a verse that talks about if you know that your brother is angry with you then you have to put down your gift and go and reconcile with your brother um so you but you are also responsible if you're offended um if if i if you offend me i'm responsible to tell you that i am offended but also if i know that i have offended you i am responsible for patching it up with you we are responsible either way and um it's hard right that's why church hurt is so prevalent because in some like i said in some cases it's recklessness in some cases people are power hungry in some cases People are just doing things and they ain't got no business doing and they're not really about God. But in some cases, it's it's misunderstandings. It's, you know, um, I hurt your feelings and I didn't mean to. Or it's you hurt my feelings and I asserted myself and I think that you're behaving irrationally in the situation and I don't know how to move forward because I'm not, you know, and again, this is a pride, a stubborn thing. I'm not going to apologize when I'm not sorry. I'm not going to apologize when you're the one in the wrong etc etc and we have to be able to move past this now like i said it's one thing when something is between adults um you can pray over it and you can try to you you know you 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 can just see what happens and we handle things differently but when it's an adult versus a child when it's a you know a person of authority so to speak and someone who has lesser authority a baby christian or um like i said a teenager then you start to have issues. And so one of the things that I took away from my own personal experience growing up in the church is that 
if you see somebody that is always there and suddenly they become distanced, somebody suddenly they stop showing up at all, you should check on them absolutely. Whether it's your fault, whether it's somebody else's fault, it does not matter. If I see there are youth that I was used to seeing all the time, you know, it's hard now, it's COVID, I don't see anybody. But when I was going to Sabbath school every day when I or every week, when I was going to church every week, there are youth that I see all the time. If one of these youth suddenly stopped showing up, I would reach out to them. Hey, I noticed you stopped coming. Or hey, I noticed you start, stopped participating during the lessons. What happened? What's going on? Are you okay? Did somebody offend you? Has something happened? You can talk to me. I don't mind, right? Making it clear, like, yeah, okay, there is a line, all right? I'm from the old school. I do think there is a line. Some of these young kids, they'd be crossing that line of being respectful to adults. There, But there is a way to respectfully address an adult and say, I don't like how you're talking to me. Or I, I, I feel hurt that you that you said this and I laugh because when I was in elementary school they taught us this technique they're called I feel statements and we thought they were the stupidest thing we used to mock them mercilessly in elementary school but as an adult I am like yo them things is legit okay so the I feel statement for my teenagers listening out here and some of my adults this may change your life the I feel statement was it was I feel blank when you blank and I would like for you to blank. So I feel hurt when you shame me for things that I don't have control over and I would like you to be more compassionate about how you speak to me, right? Something like that. So essentially you assert how you feel why the like what it is that this person is doing that makes you feel that way and what you would like them to do going forward and like i said i thought they were really stupid when i was in elementary school but i find myself using them a lot as an adult like i i do not like what you said to me this is what you've said this is why i don't like it and i would like for you to not say things like that in the future or i would like for you to think about those things or I'd like you to educate yourself on the history of the things that you've said. Um, and so I, I think that as people, as Christians, we have to learn to be more open. We have to pray um, to God to get rid of that pride element because it's usually pride. Pride, pride goeth before a haughty fall, y'all. Um, that's usually why we don't listen. And we need to be able to hear people when they say that. And one of the things you know, for a country that boasts so many people who claim to be Christian, the thing that I cannot understand the most is this tendency for us to not care how people feel. Like I said, um, in that moment, because I felt like that person had done something to me first, I did not care about how he felt, about how I responded to what he had offended me with. But in general, like there are so many things that people say this bothers me or this hurts me. Like for instance, the name of that team in Washington, that NFL team, you have, you know, tribes saying that they're offended and people are like, but we like the name, right? At the church that I attend, there are people who are offended by the name of the church. And there are people in the church who are like, well, I like the name. I don't see why we should change it. I don't, I don't want to change the name. 
And it's like, you're literally being like, I don't care that you are hurt. I don't care that you feel this way. I don't care. I want to do it my way anyway. And I don't know how you can profess to be of God and hear people express pain to you and just be like, I don't care. Right? Like, I mean, even in the situation that I got myself in, you know, it was about racism. This person said something that I thought was racist. And so my response was basically, that is racist. I didn't call the person a racist, but I basically pointed out the, you know, the racial implications of what they were saying and said that I did not appreciate it. And so, you know, it's like their response was to get mad at me for, for stating the obvious, right? But it's like, how can you be angry at me? How can you not be like, I'm sorry, I did not mean that to come out that way. I did not mean for you to take it like that. I That's not what kind of person I am. Like, that would be my logical ex- explanation. I mean, I, I mean, as a black person, I understand black culture, but it's possible for me to say things that are insensitive to people who are Asian or Hispanic or Arab or, you know, whatever you identify as because I'm not engrossed in that culture I mean it's even it's possible for me to say things that are offensive to white people um and so you know if a white person was like hey I don't like how you said that because I find this offensive like I would engage in a meaningful dialogue I wouldn't just get upset with them and I wouldn't just continually do something purposely like I know that this offends you I know this hurts you I'm gonna keep doing it anyway like I don't understand why you would do that but for some reason even within the church, people do this. They don't care. They're like, oh, you're a child. It doesn't matter what you think. Oh, you're a new believer. It doesn't matter what you think. Um, and we don't have that love that Christ has supposed, is, we're supposed to get it from Christ. And he's supposed to give it to us through the Holy Spirit. And we don't show that love. And when we don't show that love, we're not actually preaching Yeshua. We're not preaching the Messiah. We're not preaching Yahweh. We are preaching man-made Christianity. And that, my friends, that is the Antichrist. That is what is deceiving people. That is what is turning people away from God. And colloquially, we call this church hurt. And we need to start doing something about it. We need to start healing people. We need to start being on our P's and Q's. And we need to be prepared to check ourselves. Because I can't control you. I can't control what you say to me. I can't control how you react, but I can control me. And so my job is to make sure that I'm operating in the spirit at all times, that I'm always showing you God's love and that when I fail, I work on being able to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I was not showing the love of God. And even though I'm not at a point for saying that I'm sorry to those people who are mad because I don't think that I, that I was in the wrong for what I said, I can admit that the situation itself is wrong and that as believers, we should be more open with each other. We should be able to have better dialogues. And so I know that I need to pray on those situations to get to that point where we can have those conversations. And that's what I'm asking of you is to check yourself and to put yourself in the place where you can pray for yourself if you ain't right or ask other people to pray for you so that we can stop this cycle of church hurt so that's all i have for you guys today sorry it was a little longer than i intended because i kind of went 
onto a lot of things, but hopefully this helps for helps you. And if you are a victim of church hurt, I am sorry um, on behalf of whoever hurt you. Um, and I just hope that you're able to move past that, that you're still able to connect with God despite you know us flawed humans making him look bad. Um, and I pray that you will find people who can support you that will not hurt you. As always, the show notes for this episode are on the podcast, w, or on the podcast, or on the blog, www.psalmstoguide.com. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.